We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast. And while we are here to recap what happened over the weekend with the games in Washington and in Minnesota, before we get into that, we decided let's go ahead and go back to Thursday when Jake Fisher dropped another article with rumors in it. Vachi, um, how are you doing, man? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm doing great. The Pacers are, are, are not doing as well, but I got to say, I'm disappointed. Look, and one thing, one thing that I am happy about is Pacer Nation rallied together, maybe the most since we tried to bring down Jalen Smith's value. The problem was they rallied together to get me out of the arena against <laughs> the Washington Wizards because I couldn't, I couldn't believe I mean, that was supposed to break the streak. The streak was supposed to end right over there. When I say that, I mean the losing streak of when I am in attendance. My mentions were flooded with everybody saying get out leave i mean you would have thought i tackled tyrese halliburton during that game like this was like some you know steve bartman against the cubs type of thing where you know they had a re- I, I i felt like i was bartman in that situation i'm showing my age that was like 20 years ago but man disappointing loss i'm looking forward to moving on though i mean between the Fachi curse on friday and then the number five person on your trade targets list playing against us on Saturday and Kyle Anderson it was a rough weekend for you it was rough and the second he logged minutes everyone was like there he is the second star it's like okay guys all right first of all Kyle Anderson did have 10 assists thought he played a decent game but he's never going to be a star he's never going to be you know I'm not even asking him to be a starter all right it's just like good good player good player that's all yeah well 
It was it was my fault, and I've said that on social media. I did not in my text specify second star. <laughs> I don't know why we've been talking about it. So in my mind, I just thought, oh, Flachi knows it's second star. Like I shouldn't have to specify because usually we do like a top ten trade target list if we're not doing just yeah. second star. And then I'm like, that's your second star, and I'm like, oh shoot, I had to go back and look at the text, and I was like, oh, I fumbled the bag on that one. That one's that's on me. Right. <laughs> it's like our truth when he's like, oh, that's on me, guys. That's on me. Remember when he used to do that? Yep. That was so oh yeah, funny. no, of course. That's... People are never gonna let me live. I feel like Kyle Anderson is just gonna be associated with me wanting him to be a second star, which obviously, yes, we know, not the case. But guys, I'm happy we were all able to have a good laugh about it. Yeah, so we'll talk about the Fachi curse more a little bit when we talk about that mm. Wizards game. But, you know, the the trade rumors are, are starting to heat up. We passed that December 15th date that is always the big date in the NBA when players that were signed in the offseason are now eligible to be traded. And so we heard a little bit of information come out of Jake Fisher's article. And Fachi, I think you have that article up. Do you want to go ahead and just share the snippets that he uh, posted about the Pacers? I do. So as it relates to Pascal Siakam, he said, it seems like Atlanta has been the most serious suitor for Siakam since the offseason. However, Jake also mentioned that Indiana and Sacramento are also interested. However, both teams appear more vested in the possibility of landing OG Ananobi than his, quote, older, less malleable Raptors counterpart. So it seems that the Pacers do still have interest in Siakam but they are more interested in OG, which is how we felt because, you know, it, it feels that if one guy is maybe more likely to sign an extension, it feels like it could be OG. He does solve a, a two-way need for the Pacers. But before I go to the next rumor, did you want to comment on this one? Well, yeah, I think it's interesting that both those guys have been attached to the Pacers pretty much since last trade deadline. So clearly the Pacers have their eyes on one of these two guys maybe coming here and it, it's, it's it's interesting because you can frame it however you want, but there was another report out there that I think it might have even been from Jake Fisher's article. I can't remember, but I saw it on Twitter where they said the Raptors are wanting Benedict Matherin in exchange for Siakam in any trade. And I'm like, okay, highly doubt that's going to be what the Pacers will give to the Raptors for a guy on an expiring contract that's 29 years old, um, will be 30 in April. So that to me is why I think those, those talks probably aren't as serious. But to me... If I'm Toronto, my asking price would probably still be higher for Pascal than it would be OG. And maybe that's why the Pacers and the Kings are kind of looking more into that, seeing if OG is available. But from some of the stuff I've heard from like a Brian Windhorst, it seems like they're more invested in OG because of the age. So I, I just think that Masai Ujiri is incredibly hard to read, especially with what you think they should do. And last year we thought this is a team that could blow it up, and they ended up kind of buying into Yaka Pertle yeah. and, you know. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, they made some interesting moves, but these guys are on expirings now or an expiring and a player option. So I think that it's smart the Pacers are invested in both because the Pacers literally have nobody that is playing at, at that size and at that level defensively on the roster currently. No, no doubt about it. I mean, both players, Siakam and OG, would easily make this Pacers team better. No one can argue that. But yes, I know whether it's it, whether it's, you know, hearing that they, they want Matherin or it's the fake trade proposals that go around. That's like Jarris Walker, two first round picks, like Bruce Brown, another thing. And you're like, whoa, all the bad for maybe 55 games of Siakam. That sounds like a lot. So mm. 
it, it, the asking price for me feels a little bit too steep right now. We'll see what happens as the trade deadline gets closer. But that was not the only rumor involving an Indiana Pacer. Jake also said there is plenty of expectation among rival executives that Indiana will be aggressive in exploring consul, uh, consul, consolidation trades that raise its ceiling. Backup floor general TJ McConnell has drawn ongoing interest from playoff teams in search of a greater backup backcourt help. So, Alex, we've heard uh, that TJ could be on the move earlier in the year. Obviously, he he's a uh, he's an important piece for the Pacers in terms of you look at their situation now. Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton's out, Andrew Nemhard's out. You got TJ McConnell to count on, but there are a lot of teams that would be interested in McConnell. What does interested really? Mean? mean i'm not sure in regards to assets it could be a player and a second round pick maybe it's two second round picks and a player but either way i mean what do you feel that the pacers should do about tj mcconnell yeah i think i think if there were more teams interested then he would have been traded during the offseason i I think that it was a lack of interest from other teams to give up anything of significance for a backup point guard and I understand that, you know, it was uh, great marketing for the Pacers when he did check into the game against the Lakers and Mike Breen said, TJ McConnell enters the game, one of the best backup point guards in the league. I thought, okay, thank you, Mike Breen. I don't know how much Kevin Pritchard slipped that to you or slipped money to you to to say that for us, but I I love it. And, you know, McConnell, he is a fan favorite. There's no doubt about it. I think that the organization values what he means to this franchise, and I think he means way more to this franchise than he does the other 29 in the league. So it's more than just what is he doing on court. That is, uh, you know, why you want to keep him around long-term. But at the same time, I think that they can't always look at things that way and have to do his best for the team. But you're right. Situation they're in now, if they don't have TJ McConnell as like their, you know, third string point guard or whatever you want to call it, their backup point guard, you know, it could be a similar situation that we saw just two years ago when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel for a keeper Sykes or a Brad Wanamaker. So, it's a, not a bad Oof. problem to have, but I, I do think that, you know, that they've got Bruce Brown that can play the point. I actually thought he played decently well as that backup point guard and the Minnesota game. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And then they, they do still have George Hill on speed dial if they need to make a trade and have him there. If they need an emergency point guard, someone that's a better than kind of just come in if there are injuries to your, your Nimhards and your Halliburtons. But I think long-term thinking, that partial guarantee on that contract for next year, if they want to make a big move in the summer, now is the time to get off of it so you don't just lose them for nothing. I, d- I definitely agree. It's about $5 million that's partially guaranteed for next year. And you do know that if you really have to trade McConnell, you definitely can. There will be teams that will be very interested in TJ McConnell, especially as the year goes on. I mean, if any injuries happen at the guard spot, TJ McConnell has to be one of the first names that comes to mind that is available and can help your team. But I agree that even if McConnell was out of the rotation to start the year or so they planned, it didn't make sense to trade him for a second round pick and another guy that was not going to play because that player was not going to bring the same locker room impact that TJ McConnell was going to play. Once you get closer to February, things could obviously change. And obviously you hope that Nimhard and Tyrese Halliburton are healthy enough to be able to move forward and not have, you know, a guy like Nemhard situation right now where he's been in and out of the lineup and you really feel that you could use TJ McConnell. But nice to hear that there is still a lot of interest around the league for McConnell. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a good veteran guy that's still, what is he, 31 years old? So, yep. Mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's got basketball, a good basketball left in him. He's, you know, at the end of his prime, you know, I would say that he's a good player. You know, there, there's limitations to what he can do. I understand why fans love him because he plays with an energy that nobody else plays with every single night. And he does lift the fan base, you know, when he comes into the game. I, I just feel like he raises the level of intensity in a game. And he just, he goes out there and plays 100 miles an hour. My buddy Lincoln texted me. He was at the Minnesota game because he lives there. And he said, you really don't appreciate how hard TJ McConnell works until you see it in person. And I, I thought that was a great point because a there's point. a reason why this coaching staff and this fan base has fallen in love with him is just because of the way he plays so hard. It's kind of what Indiana style or Indiana basketball represents to people. Like when you think of Indiana basketball, you think of TJ McConnell and the way he plays. So I'm not saying to trade him just to trade him, but my thought is if they feel like they're going to probably cut him to create that cap space in the off season, you got to move him before the deadline and don't let him walk for nothing or, you know, wave him and, you just get the money and then you, you know, let him go into free agency or try to find a trade in the office. I think just trying to get off that now and make the most sense. I think so. I, I think we wait until the deadline because I know that now, obviously the Pacers brought back James Johnson. So you do have another veteran in the locker room. One that is also very respected. We've had countless Pacers come on our show and just pinpoint how vital James Johnson was last year. So that does help to have an extra vet in there because to start the year, the Pacers were very thin on veterans and TJ McConnell was probably helping out far more than anyone could ever put into words. So I think now you don't want to say, Hey, it makes them a little bit more expendable, but to your point before you got to imagine that the Pacers do check in with George Hill from time to time, just to, you know, see just similar to probably how they did it with James Johnson, keep those lines of communication open if the Pacers are to move on from McConnell, I think you could bring in a guy like George Hill that wouldn't really expect to play, but can still round out the roster as another veteran. And that's needed. kind of what that's kind of what they need right now. And I think that's why Jake said the Pacers are looking at making an, a, a consolidation trade because, yep. you know, they just have too many guys that you probably could give minutes to. And, and it's been kind of a blessing that the injuries have allowed other guys to get more of an opportunity. But with that being said, when those guys come back from injury – how does the whole rotation shake out again? And if a guy's playing really well and someone comes back that's playing in that same position, do you just tell that guy, well, thanks for your, you know, three weeks of playing really hard. Now you're back to the the third string. It's like, okay, it's tough. And I think that the Pacers understand that they are in a tough spot where they basically need to get some of these guys out of here to get some of these younger guys some more playing time to see what they actually have. And we finally got to see a little bit of it against Minnesota in real minutes, but uh, we'll touch on that here in a second, but I, I think that that's good enough conversation on that Jake Fisher piece. We'll uh, we'll continue to monitor that as we get closer to the trade deadline. But before you know it, Flachi, it'll be here. We're we're only like like what 40, 50 days away from it. Yeah, it's gonna sneak up on us. It man, it's crazy. We've already we're like kind of like a third of the way into the season at this. Twenty four games in, we're twelve. I think yeah, or twenty three maybe because no, we're thirteen and eleven. Twenty four games in. That's right. 24, yeah. So, I mean, think about that. It's just like before you know it, the season's already uh, – we're, we're, we're getting there. It ain't, it ain't the beginning where we're still trying to learn about this team. So, 24 games in, that is 29% of the season mm. right now. Yep. We're starting to get a real idea of what this Pacers team is. I don't think we have all the answers yet, but it ain't like in the beginning where you drop a 
a random game to Charlotte, you go, nah, whatever, you know, we're going to be just fine. Now we're starting to be like, well, man, we got some problems, but still plenty of time to be able to fix it. And I still think, hey, you mentioned roughly 50 days to the deadline. That's when you need those answers, you know, kind of solidified by. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We got a you know a month of January that's going to be really tough, and then you've got the rest of this month that's got some challenges too. So the Pacers' schedule does not get easier. They've had a pretty home heavy schedule at the beginning of the year, and you just saw them go on a two week long road trip, twelve days in total, that really just kind of you know I think took the wind out of their sails a little bit, Fachi, as you kind of saw them dwindle in those last two games on the road, but. Let's go ahead and jump into that game at Washington. You were there for the game. Some big news dropped a couple of days before the game, I believe, that Washington's going to be moving to Virginia. Is that right? It is. It's very interesting. Obviously, I, I lived in the area for seven years. I mean, this was a, a move that no one expected. I mean, for a sports team to leave D.C., like the, you know, the city over there, go over to Virginia, very interesting move. Um for you know, for the fans and all that, uh, where the Wizards played was very accessible. 
You could take the metro in, like the train, and you know Uber in is is very very easy. This is going to be tough for fans, but obviously it's supposed to be a very very state of the art uh, arena where they play right now, uh, Capital One Arena. It is there is nothing to it. I mean, there's nothing about where the Wizards play that you go, oh wow, now this is this is this is like a great arena for fans. So we'll see what happens a few years from now. But uh, yeah, the, the other news in that was uh, okay. How do we get a win over here, a get-right game against the Wizards? That is not quite how things went down, and you thought things would have been different. Pacers were up eight early on in that game, and I thought, hey, you know what? This is going to be a really high-scoring game, maybe a back-and-forth affair. Pacers went cold in the second quarter, and honestly, the Wizards never looked back. I mean, Alex, what do you think it was in this game that really had the Pacers come out so stale? A couple things here. I think, one, they were coming off an emotional high against Milwaukee, probably feeling themselves a little bit too much and saying, like, okay, we've really gotten their heads. You know, we're, we're competing with the upper echelon teams of the Eastern Conference and thought, oh, we got Washington. They've won three games at this point. This will be a cakewalk. I think they weren't mentally prepared for this game. And I think that also goes into the fact that they were probably just tired, tired of being on the road. It's been a long road trip. And I know you always make fun of me for saying, I even threw that in the article, you know, Fasho always makes fun of me for saying, you know, guys want to be in their own beds, but I'm telling you when you're traveling for, you know, 12 days, it just wears you out eventually. And I know that it's state of the art stuff and I'm not making an excuse for these guys, but I do think that does play a part in it. These guys are just ready to be home and just get some, some kind of sense of a routine down because it was just crazy. And I, and I think that you, you just can't help it. It's just the, the human element of overlooking teams that are not playing well. I mean, three and 20 coming into that game, I would have probably overlooked them too if I was any player. Of course. I mean, I was joking around with my friends and I was like, I paid good money for these tickets. I want to see Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma act a fool. I want to see them do those, you know, where they shoot it and they they think it's good and they turn around and it clanks off the rim. Like I, I wanted the circus show that you see on Twitter of the Wizards. And that was not what we saw and, you know, it's funny because you always do mention that, you know, these guys, you're just your own bed. That That's how I imagine. I imagine Miles Turner, like, getting back to his own pillow and being like, ah, like my pillows. Like, all right, I'm back home and, you know, in my in my area. But it makes sense because I know it sounds crazy, but even when I go on a vacation, if it starts to stretch, getting close to a week, you're like, I'm kind of ready to go home now. You know, like, I just want to get back to my routine, just like you mentioned, just normal. 12 days the Pacers were out and about between Vegas and, and, and coming back for the regular season games. That's a lot. That's yeah. three, that's three road games in four nights, four games in six nights. And also, to your point before, the high of making it to the in-season tournament and playing the Lakers, like wherever it was the most watched non-like Christmas, Christmas day. day game in the last six years. Almost 5 million fans watch this game. And then you play Detroit. Like, it's hard to get up for that. And then and then so on. You play Milwaukee, but, but Milwaukee's really trying to hunt you instead of us being, you know, the hunter. And then I just feel like after that, the Pacers were just not able to get up for each and every game. And I feel like other teams are starting to give us, you know, you don't want to say their best effort, but they ain't overlooking Indiana like they did earlier in the year. And I felt like when the Pacers, when when they got hit in the mouth, they did not respond against mm-hmm. Washington. And we saw guys like Kuzma and Jordan Poole each score 30 or more. 
we saw Corey Kispert score 23. It was like they got whatever they wanted. And uh, man, things just got worse for the Pacers. Obviously, we know Tyrese gets hurt. It was just that game where it was um, the perfect storm of, of everything going wrong. Yeah, and that's what Chris Sinari even said on the broadcast. He said it was one of those games where nothing went right. And, and I felt this when I was watching, and I said, when Corey Kispert flies by, you know, drives by a defender and dunks the ball and is like screaming at the top of his lungs, that's not a good sign. No. Uh, I thought Bilal Koulibaly looked really good in this game too, Bachi. And uh, He did, and we got to give him a moment because I think these players, Koulibaly and Jarris Walker, are going to be linked for a oh, few years. for sure. And not going to lie, I liked what I saw in Koulibaly, and I went, oh, no. I went, oh, he looks good. And he, he's he's young, just like Jairus Walker, but we knew his ceiling for Koulibaly is really high. Would he yeah. ever reach it? I don't know. But so far, and obviously he's given a far more opportunity than Jairus Walker's given, but Bilal Koulibaly looks like he's going to be a good player in this league. I told you that that hat. When he put that hat on, it was going to be reminiscent of when Kawhi Leonard put that hat on him. We're going to see that photo for years and years to come. I really hope not. I have a feeling we will, especially if he finds a way to get out of Washington, because right now they're just, I mean, even though they won this game, I will just say this. In this game, to me, what I saw a lot of was they play the second fastest pace in the league. We play the first fast pace. So it was going to be a track race the whole time. But the problem was the paces were a step slow the entire game. And Washington looked way faster. So it looked like they were fresh, they were sharper, and they were just able to kind of attack us and beat us at our own game. It wasn't even like we were playing against a team that was like super long and lengthy. They just, every 50-50 ball they got to, I felt like they were just the more aggressive team, the team that wanted to win more. They were definitely hungrier than we were. And I think it has way nothing hungrier. to do, I think it has nothing to do with the fact that we were, you know, had a target on our back because we made the in-season tournament championship. I think... They were just desperate for a win. Would they lose six games in a row before this one? Uh, something like that. I mean, they only had one win at home. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's just like all everything you could say is just that the Wizards needed and wanted this game more than Indiana. And, and I just felt like it showed early yeah. on. Like once the Pacers got down, they were never a threat again. I don't think I remember them even cutting it to single digits uh, right when they went down in the second quarter for the rest of the game. Yeah, it was. That's what I, I think I actually put that in my article. They got down by 11 and never saw a double digit or never saw a single digit uh, deficit again. And you got to give it to them. They they came out and just smashed us in the mouth. And I felt like fast break points was huge. You know, they doubled us up on fast break points. And like I said, they just, every aspect of the game, they were better. And besides, they had four more turnovers and they made two less threes, but they also shot 13 less threes than we did and shot a much higher percentage at 48%. So they were just able to do what the Pacers weren't able to do, and they also were able to get into the paint. You know, the Pacers give up a lot of points in the paint. We know that. But, you know, I just – 137 points to Washington, like, it doesn't surprise me because our team's defense has been just so garbage. But when Miles Turner goes 2 of 10 from the floor for 6 points and Bruce Brown goes 2 of 7 for 4 points, you're not going to win a lot of games. Buddy Hield 4 for 14 for 11 points It's like – the most efficient player on the team probably in this game was Isaiah Jackson. The only bright spot I felt like was really him. And then you had some moments from Obi Toppin who who played pretty well, uh, you know, efficiently-wise. But Isaiah Jackson, you could feel like there was an energy when he came in the game. But other than that, I was just like, what is happening? 
So your point on Turner. Turner hit those two baskets in the first quarter. Yeah. He didn't make another one. I think he had either the first or the second basket. And then I, I remember he had five points, you know, yeah. in, in the first. And he scored, I think, a free throw after that. So that he totally disappeared. That was tough to see. Uh, Isaiah Jackson absolutely deserves a shout out here because seeing it live, it was like he was that one player that I was like, wow, okay, he really caught my eye being there. And I just feel like he's put together quite a few games now. Like this is not the Isaiah Jackson of old. Like every now and then, maybe once or twice this year, he picked up a couple fouls early on. I was like, oh, this isn't good. But like I feel like he's been far more consistent this year. And when you saw 20 and 13, Six offensive rebounds and on 10 of 13 shooting. It's like, man, Isaiah Jackson really, uh, he, he's taken a step forward. And I remember before, first of all, he did all that in 20 minutes. Yeah. He had 20 and 13 in, in 20 minutes. And five like, wow. Too. I, he, yeah, I mean, of course, obviously, you know. <laughs> but I remember before the year, it was like, oh, well, what do you do? Do you, do you pick up the option just to do it? You know, this, it would have been crazy for the Pacers to not pick up his options. So, I'm glad that they did, you know, even if the rest of the season doesn't work out well, he's still so young. He's taken steps forward. I'm happy of the growth we've seen early on from Isaiah Jackson. But other than that, I mean, in, in the game, I saw Ben Shepard come in in the, in the first quarter. Yeah. First quarter. I was like, whoa, whoa this this could be a this could be a big night for Ben Shepard. It wasn't the case. And, and there's, there's I mean, there, there's nothing against him in this game. I just thought it was interesting that he came in in the first quarter. But we we got to see a, actually a little bit of everybody in this game, so yeah, that was that was fun to see. Well, I think Rick was probably just trying to make his rotation a little bit, you know, bigger, knowing these guys were tired. I, I think that's really what it came down to. And so I was like, all right, if Shep can get going, you know, he played well in that Milwaukee game. Let's reward he him. He had that what was it nine zero run? Was it basically from him? So mm-hmm. um, uh, when when they kind of made the starters come back in for the Bucks, maybe it was like, okay, we'll reward him by giving him some first quarter rotation minutes, see what he can do. And he, I don't even think he shot the ball once. So in the first, yeah, no, he did. It, it was over one. I mean, in in the end, it's, it's not like he had this big opportunity to do anything. I was just like, when I saw him check in, I was like, I was like, wait, wait, am I missing something? Is somebody hurt? Somebody out? But that uh, was it was cool to see. And then other than that, I mean, obviously got to see you know Jarris Walker live for the first time in person. It, it was cool. You know, he had he had, he had a couple baskets. Um, but overall, that was a game that I really wanted to forget. Move on. Pacer Nation, I'll give it to you. Y'all handed it to me. I mean, really, I mean, truly, I was like, this is wild. But it just shows that we got some awesome listeners that really do tune into the show. Actually, I ran into uh, a couple of our listeners there. That that was awesome. Braxton, if you're listening, hey, great meeting you. Um, I, I'm sorry, I forgot your friend's name. But Braxton, hey, it's great meeting you. And, uh, man, we, we got some... Uh, some die-hard listeners. I really just want to take a moment to appreciate everybody. Yeah. I mean, how how long has this Bocce curse been going on? When's the last time they got a win? Like, hey, what year? I, honestly, I want to say at this point, because this was the first game of this year, we're talking, I think, at least three seasons. It could go back four seasons, because at one point, it's the last six games. I hit, like, three games last year. All in different arenas. It was Indiana, Brooklyn, Madison Square Garden. Oh, I hit four games last year, and and in DC, they lost all four of those. They lost this in DC five. last year when you went. Yeah, they did. Even Turner had a. I think it was Turner's big night. Whatever it was, they lost that game. Um. 
So it's at least three seasons that I could tell you, which is really sad to say. I know. And I I shouldn't reveal this. I shouldn't. But Tyrese Halliburton got hurt at two of the last three games that I've been at, and it it really upsets me. Tyrese banged banged his knee. Bruce did not return in the Washington game. And I was at the Knicks game when the season went downhill when Tyrese got hurt. And that that made me sick because it was just like I I even I started looking down and being like, what did I do? Like, was it me? You know, and it's just I need Tyrese to recover. I need him to almost also acknowledge like, yo, that that was that was no one's fault. (laughs) You know, it was just my own. I need to be cleared is, is what I need. I guarantee if we ever get Tyrese back on the podcast and you tell him that you've been at the two games he's got injured at, he will ask you to not come to any more games. I, I would respect him for saying that because I think anyone would. I think yeah. anyone would be like, hey, man, like for my own health, please stay at home. But yeah. I love this team. I got to be there. I, I enjoyed rooting them on. I would have I would have went wild for a win to be there person i mean truly feel like i would have been ending like a playoff drought or anything like that one of those like maybe pop my own little confetti or or something like that it would have been great but i ain't done yet i still got a couple more games but i intend to gotta snap the streak somehow gotta gotta so how are we gonna do this though i just don't know if it's gonna happen i know i know i mean literally somebody somebody called you a swifty on Twitter, I mean, they where where did that come from? I have no idea. People were getting clever. I mean, really, I mean, I was getting (laughs) you know politely assaulted on on Twitter by by some good, good fans. So I'll I'll say that I was appreciating you being a good sport by liking people's tweets that said it, but I noticed (laughs) that none of the tweets where I put out you like those. Uh, I mean, you're like, I'm not liking his. Screw him. I'm mad at him. You're like, load. You're like, this is your fault. The only thing this is, only reason why this is a real thing is because I made it a real thing. It's true. It's true. I, I could have brushed I, this under the rug. Really, I, said, I can really feel Fachi's like disdain for me right now. Like I was afraid to text you on when, on Saturday to get our schedule figured out. I'm like, I think Fachi's mad at me. Well, I I had to tell my friends that I was with. I was like, hey, fellas, like, eh, I just want to. You know, cue you in a little bit. There, there's kind of this this talk of a curse going around. Like the Pacers have lost the last six games. And like one of my friends who's been at a couple of those, he was like, "Wow, you're right." Like, when was the last time they won when you, you were here? And I was like, "We're gonna win tonight. We're gonna break the streak." So it's you be talked great. about and it before. I I was overly confident. That I think I told everybody, "Hey guys, there's like this joke going around, like the battle curse, like it ends tonight." And it's just like, I made it way worse. You jinxed it by coming on the podcast saying that the curse is over, the streak is over. You told all your friends before. You spoke it into existence. I know. I, I All I oh. wanted to do was come on here and go, ding dong, like the witch is dead, like the curse is gone. You know, I, I, I wanted it. I like played it out in my head like, oh yeah, like when I get back Sunday night, oh man, this I'm going to unload. And it's just like, nope, never mind. Oh man. That is the curse of Michael Fox, just like your birthday song said. Avoid the curse, ladies and gentlemen. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.